Oh yeah, it's episode 8 of the Ideas Into Action podcast. I'm your host Hamza Khan and our producer is Kwaku Ajimang, aka Kwaku On Air, aka... I'm not going to say anything this week because he's going to be running for elections as VP Education in the refresh slate for the Ryerson Students' Union. So let's not jeopardize that shit, all right? Our guest today is a good friend of mine. He's who inspired me to transform my idea of this very podcast into action. Raphael Wong is the Director of Strategic Initiatives at ThoughtWire, a Toronto-based technology company looking to disrupt the relationship between humans, devices, and information, all with the goal of shaping a healthier, safer, and cleaner world. Prior to this, Raphael was a senior associate in PwC's private company slash SMB consulting practice where he worked closely with C-suite teams on strategic mandates focused on unlocking levers for growth and operational improvement. In English, he unlocked people's potential at a high level. And that's exactly what this man lives and breathes. So much so that he reimagined his popular podcast, The Canvas Series, into a full-fledged productivity optimization platform called MyTechni. When I shot up the bat signal for ideas into action guests to help me tinker with the structure and formula during this pilot season, Raf responded with two words, I'm in. This is an episode I've been patiently waiting for, and as always, you're in for a treat. We talked about facing fears, starting projects, and intentional downtime. We also talked about types of energy, creating systems, and how to stay focused. It was a masterclass in productivity and peak performance that got me rethinking some of my fundamental beliefs for the better. Let's get it. Well, brother, thank you for joining us here, man. I'm so excited. This is this has been a long time coming. We're we're gonna make this happen. Sounds good. Right off the bat, Raph, I got a gift for you. This right here, sir, is a compilation of illustrated Greek myths, and it's for you. There you go. Thank you. And I would love for you to turn to page thirty, if you don't mind. Turn to page thirty and uh, tell me whose name you read there. Uh, Vulcan and Melissaber? No, 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 no. So on the left over there, you see that little start starting with an H? Yes. Hephaestus. Right. Hephaestus, the god of fire, metalworking, stonemasonry, and forges. In other words, the god of getting things done, baby. All right. In many ways, Hephaestus was the inspiration for the deity that was later known as Techne. So the idea of techne was embodied by this god, Hephaestus, as well as the muses. Let me ask you a question about my techne. Why did you decide to call it my techne? When you look at that pantheon that you have in front of you of all of the Greek gods available to you, why did you go with that particular name? Techne. For sure, right? You know, when I think about, you know, what I'm trying to do here um, in the realm of success, personal development, productivity... There's a lot of emphasis in this uh, industry around, you know, theoretical knowledge, right? People love to talk and give advice and, you know, create the books and ebooks and whatnot. And I think that's all very valuable. But one thing I truly wholeheartedly believe is that if people aren't taking action and, you know, getting shit done and creating outcomes, all of that goes to waste. So when I was thinking about, you know, what is that word that truly encaptures people taking action to create values in their life that is meaningful? Techni was the word, right? Which is all about practical knowledge, right? It's the skill or art of doing something, of achieving something, of creating an outcome. It's context dependent, right? And as for the everyday person, that's something I truly do believe. It's that, you know, success is not limited to the 1%. It's for everybody. And everybody can do it if they have the right skills in their toolkit um, to execute according to their plan, according to what matters to them. And technique captures that. It's for the everyday person. It's for the craftsman. It's for the architect. It's for uh, the 
folks in medicine. It's for the makers, right? Yes. And I think that's the, the 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 definition. That's the word that I would apply to this modern generation of creatives, of people who have multiple side hustles, people who are working in the online economy, the gig economy, so on and so forth. Um, they're all makers in some way or another. That's very interesting that you chose Technian. I couldn't think of a better name. You know, I, I poured through that book myself and I said, was there another version of this platform that you're building that we could have called, you know, Zeus, Athena, Poseidon and whatnot? And nothing quite struck me um, as, 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 you know, perfect as Techni. That's the real word that I think you've, you've just found the word that's going to work for you for the rest of time. Yes. It doesn't get any better than that. Why do you think in ancient Greece, though, they looked down on Technies? Is that even a word? Technies? People who, people who participate in the techni? Yeah, like I think, you know, back in the day, um, you know, the, um, you know, how people considered success and the elite, the 1% mm-hmm. were the folks who talked about science and mathematics. The philosophers, and philosophers right? Yeah. Right. And then there's the everyday, you know, there's the everyday person who are out there, farmers and whatnot, and they're doing their thing. And, but, you know, one thing we fail to recognize is that those are the people that you know create the bedrock for society. You know, these are the people you go to when you're sick. These are the people you go to when you need food. These are the people you go to when you need infrastructure and roads and hospitals and schools. But they don't get enough attention. It's always the you know the the big picture thinkers, right? The philosophers, and you know nothing against this group of individuals, right? Um, I think you know they, um, you know I think this group definitely have um, you know done some impressive things that shapes our our modern world but you know we're at a point now with technology with data with where society is heading that everything's starting to get democratized Mm -hmm. and the everyday person doesn't matter if you didn't go university doesn't matter if you live in some third world country you have opportunities you have tools to create value as someone who went to Harvard. Absolutely. And we're seeing that in the everyday world when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to um, the creative and the maker um, movement. Trend, yeah. Movement, yeah. yeah. And, you know, my my goal, my mission with my techniques is really um, empower this movement to further accelerate, to give the tools, to equip people to do it. Um, that's really what I wholeheartedly believe in. So for listeners right now who might have skipped the intro for this, where we talked briefly about my technique, could you describe what exactly my technique is? It's a fascinating concept, but I want to hear it straight from you. Yeah. So on a, um, you know, on a, in business level, my techni is a personal development company that offers media and technology to really enable uh, to really enable um, people to create their versions of success, yeah. their success systems, and and this um, this concept is predicated on this trend that we're talking about, which is you know the world is only going to get busier, it's only going to get more multifaceted, it's only going to get more complex, and you know we're seeing that right now, especially in the millennial uh, demographic and all the years, um, you know, younger as well. So how can somebody navigate this complex and busy world, yet at the same time, this abundance of information and tools? How can they combine these forces together and then pursue the things that matter to them? And my technique is one piece of that. Yeah. Um, and we're going to achieve that through media. So uh, the podcast, uh, um, short form content, blogs and whatnot, and the technology that we're building to enable that. You're taking those insights and you're making them actionable. And I love that because I feel like the market's very much saturated with resources. Everyone has got a podcast. Everyone's got books coming out. They're dropping Skillshare courses. They're, you know, putting out content, but very little of it 
is actually designed to help you and navigate, you know, start from point point A to point B, walk you through the process of building something and creating just that, the system. I was actually alarmed. I was teaching a class before this and I asked my class of 120, like, how many of y'all have heard about Asana? One hand went up. And then I said, well, how many of y'all have a to-do list or some sort of, you know, uh, task management system? Maybe like a third of the class's hands went up. And I'm like, yeah, this is a bunch of like second, third, and fourth years who still haven't figured out the basics of productivity. Like you still don't know that you have to write down things that you're going to do and then be accountable to them. Is my technique something that's going to show people these truths about productivity? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to talk about time. You're going to talk about energy. You're going to talk about attention, like the elements of productivity. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that we're taking a different approach to is this underlying principle. So uh, in addition to that, you know, worldly belief I have about the world only getting more complex, a guiding principle for my technique and my life is this notion that the principles of success are universal, right? So you have to set goals. You have to be self-aware. You have to work hard. You have to be resourceful, empathetic, so on and so forth. But how it's applied is personal. And I think that's the key part because up until now, this success industry has has been focused on these cookie cutter solutions. Mm -hmm. Here are the 10 things you have to do to be productive, to be successful, you know. And and one thing that has not worked for me is is precisely trying to adapt myself to these cookie cutter templates. Yeah, almost like BuzzFeed like yes. ways of going about your productivity, right? Right, exactly. So our belief is, you know, how can we give people the tools that they can use to uh, craft their own system, right? So for someone, you know, someone like a Santa may not work, right? They mm -hmm. don't like to use uh, digital tools to manage their productivity. They're old school, you know, pen and paper. They want to use a journal. Sure. Hey, that's cool, yeah. right? Like, like I don't care what processes, what tools, what systems you have in place. As long as you're intentionally creating and adapting a system that works for you, and you're being intentional about how you pursue your success. That's all I'm trying to do here. That's all I'm trying to enable here. Um, and that's really, you know, what is going to be our claim to fame. And talk to me about this other element of customization with the platform too. Like I'm a big fan of David Allen's work, the getting things done framework. The challenge with that is, is one size fits all. He's got his templated approach to things. He's got his books. He's got his cards. He's got his map. But on Friday when we chatted, you talked about AI. You talked about artificial intelligence and machine learning being a part of my technique. And that got me really excited. How do you envision that playing out? How is that going to work? Yeah. So, you know, before I answer that question, to take a step back, uh, you know, right now, my technique is primarily focused on the media portion of the business, right? So, uh, the podcasts, uh, so the monthly show, the canvas yep. series, the weekly show, Break the System. We're about to launch a long form a series of blogs called A Systems in Me. And the, the, the intent behind these um, pieces of content is to begin gathering these requirements to understand where are the configuration points, right? Back to that principle that the um, success principle is universal, but how they're applied is personal. I'm trying to figure out what are those points um, in these success principles that make it personal. Mm. So, you know, what's an example? You know, when I think back to when I interviewed you on the canvas, yeah. you did a bunch of research yeah, so, and, yeah. you know, in the early days of your calendar system, I believe you had seven colors in the RGB yes. scale yep. and you had different meanings for them. I have four, right? And, you know, my color system means different things. So that's a point of configuration, right? What works for you doesn't necessarily work for me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But where 
we're basing our productivity system on the same principle. Which, which is, is you, calendar and color coding the calendar based exactly. on energy expenditure. Exactly. Very interesting. And that's where machine learning is going to come in where it's going to learn with you, right? And yeah. that's something that, you know, right now we're beginning to conduct some man behind the uh, current experiments where I effectively act as the AI and I'm, I'm asking people to interface with me and ask them, you know, what are some of the things you need from the system? What kind of questions would you ask it? What kind of questions do you need the system to ask you. And one thing I found is that people cannot just create a system out of nowhere, right? This is a journey. This is something I've been honing and practicing for the last four years. This is going to be a journey, I'd say, for the rest of my life. I don't yeah. think you're ever going to land on a system that works forever. It's going to evolve with you, right? It's personal to you. It's contextual to you. A time back to the word techni, mm-hmm. right? It's all about giving you what you need to be successful at whatever time in your life, at whatever type of priorities you have. And that machine learning element is going to learn and grow with you. And that's going to be integral. Man, I'm just listening to you speak about this with such clarity and with such uh, passion. I mean, it really it really excites me because when we started this podcast series, the Ideas Into Action podcast series, it was with the intention of trying to arrive at those principles. Because I do believe, like you, that there are some fundamental principles. There are some core elements that comprise a person's productivity system. Right now, I have a two-dimensional definition of that. I think it's time, energy, attention, and focus. But I think that that's too surface level. And so through the process of interviewing people like yourself and all the guests that we're going to have on the podcast, I'm hoping to arrive at a more fluid definition of that. But what's amazing is that through my technique, you're going to be able to accelerate that process of inquiry and arrive at that principle, that, that, that array of principles that will then elevate all of the conversation. So all of our podcast network, all of our friends who are doing this will be able to then base our research on what's happening with my technique. I mean, the big data play alone is incredible with my technique. What is you know what is the foundational question that you're trying to answer with my technique? And I I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that followed by another question about the inspiration for my technique, which could be the same thing. But when all is said and done, what is the one question that you hope that my technique will answer? The one question my technique will answer at the end of the day for you personally um, yeah. for myself and for anyone yeah. using it to be honest because at the end of the day I'm creating this for myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's really, am I living a life I am proud of? Am I being intentional mm. about it? Am I pursuing it, right? And that that piece of, you know, am I living a life am I, that I am proud of is predicated on intent and progress. Okay. And that comes back to systems. Are you intentionally creating a system and progressing and evolving with it uh, in pursuit of whatever matters to you, Yeah. right? Like, I don't care what matters to you. Um, that's not for me to say. I don't mm-hmm. think that's for anyone to say. Um, and it's really around, I want to help people, give them the tools to be intentional and make progress. I love that, man, because I feel like success is setting goals and then achieving them at the most foundational level, right? You project into the future a version of life that you want to live, and then you go through the actions necessary to make that thing real, whether they're daily, weekly, monthly. For me, I think they're daily. That's the bet that we're making here at Ideas Into Action, which is daily imperative actions are the answer. But it could be different. There might be incremental ways that are more spaced out to get to your goal. But I love that, you know, my technique is set up in such a way where it projects out into the future for you, keeps you accountable, and then it gives you the resources to shepherd your shepherd your efforts towards that goal. Very interesting, man. And so what was the moment of inspiration for this? I'm, I'm curious to know at what point you said to yourself, hey, what we're doing with the Canvas series is good, but there's another thing. There's another hurdle. There's another level that we need to you know, overcome in the case of the hurdle and a level that we need to reach. What was that moment for you? Was there a moment or was this a gradual unraveling? Uh, so a bit of both. I'd say from the very beginning, there was always an 
an inkling to do something bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by no means would I have ever pursued this journey just to create a podcast. Um, what sparked it was the desire to share conversations. So, so there's definitely that element of it. But you know, once I decided to do something that I was very uncomfortable with, and we can talk about that afterwards. But you know, this was arguably the hardest thing I have done in my personal and professional career. Wow, this is. A, hands down been the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life um, you know if you were to ask me even a month before I had started you know do you see yourself doing a podcast the answer would have been no right so having having a bigger play whatever that meant definitely drove me to be curious to start exploring what could be that bigger play and you know I don't think there was ever an aha moment that the next play was going to be a technology play and after that it was going to be a, like a venture play and next thing after that was gonna be an educational play um that kind of evolved over time and then it's kind of where we are at right now um and you know like something that i um one one uh principle that i practice is really um you know predicated on on a software development methodology called agile Mm -hmm. so it's having a direction but then iterating over time so i don't hesitate right i don't i don't stop like i don't stall and try to to think everything through and then execute, uh, I was like, okay. So the this founding this founding um, you know principle of sharing conversations with the idea of doing something bigger, whatever that is, cool. Record one episode and get some feedback. Do it again. Do yeah, it again. An iterative and, approach. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And then over time, you start to think, okay, so you know, like how does this all you know piece together oh these are requirements from people who are creating their own systems of success i have all these requirements why don't i create a product oh i like technologies how and then just slowly it snowballs into something bigger and you know even till today it's like there's this aspiration of the things we talked about from a um from a mission perspective yeah you know what exactly does the tech look like you know what is the solution design what are the key features i don't know we're going to go through the process together and that's really why i'm doing the podcast is to document in real time what i'm doing in terms of what i'm learning who i'm talking to and how i'm building this business so i know that there might be some listeners right now who might still be listening to us talking about my technique and be confused about what exactly it is right to them i would say it's a platform that learns and grows with you but what's interesting is that it took me and somebody who's close to you speaks the same language of productivity and systems maybe two or three conversations to truly understand the concept and that that's not any fault of your own. That's actually the market not necessarily being primed for this thing that they know they're going to need. Like you and I have the same bet. And that bet is the world is only going to get more stressful. The world is only going to get more distracting. People are only going to get more overwhelmed and overburdened and burned out. And the need for something like MyTechni will present itself in time. Like people are right now, I would say they're problem aware. They're going to eventually become solution aware. And by the time they become solution aware, your brand's already going to be out there. It's going to have a community. I mean, I'm going to be a champion of it. One of the early adopters. Cannot wait for this, man. Thank you. Super exciting. But you know what struck me when you when you were describing it earlier? You said this is the hardest thing you've ever done. And I got chills because I know the rush that comes from starting a company, from starting any initiative, from starting any endeavor. But you have gone through some difficult shit in your life, man. As far as somebody who's an adventurer at heart, doing wild things, like you were just in the Amazon not too long ago. You went into the Amazon, but 
we can get into that story. I want to I want the listeners to hear the story that I first heard when we kicked it at coffee time not too long ago. So you and I have known each other for what, like two, three years now? Yeah. It's yeah. been a minute. But one of the first conversations we had, we sat down and there was like this immediate bond where we knew that we were guys that loved nerding out and geeking out about productivity. We skipped the small talk and went into this conversation about like moments in our life that tested us and truly tried us. And so I want the listeners to hear this story about you climbing Mount Fuji because it's one of my favorite stories. It's probably one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. And then I want the listeners to then hear this in the context of you saying that my technique was harder than that. For sure. So when I think back about you know when I went to Japan, um, for context as well, this was the first trip where I traveled by myself, mm-hmm. right? So that was already a big leap for me, right? So I remember uh, this was during the off season, and everything I read was you know don't climb it, don't go up <laughs> it. Um, it was during like their monsoon season, which is like um, like hurricanes, tsunamis, and whatnot. And um, and I'm like, you know what? No, like I'm in Japan. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to check this out. And at the time when I was still at home, I still remember vividly doing research and I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to show up and check it out. And if it, you know what, um, if it's not safe, I won't do it. Because um, for background, the, the trip before I went to with a buddy, I was in Ecuador and I broke my arm. Oh, wow. I was I'm biking downhill and like long story short, breaking my arm was the best possible outcome in that situation. So that's a whole other story mm-hmm. there. So I remember Amazon, this time, Ecuador, wow, right? I'm just parking these right now. Distinctly remember telling myself, don't let your ego get the best of you because that's what happened last time. This time you're on your own. Show up, be curious, but see what happens. Yeah. So I showed up and of course I'm like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Like, yeah. I'm here in Japan once in a lifetime. Yeah, Let's exactly. do this, right? I had to do it. And then so happened, I, bunched in, I bumped into a group of these Australian guys and I'm like, hey, like, do you mind if I tag along with you um there weren't many people going up um if at all so I was like you know what having a companion is always better than no and mind you no one knew I was doing this right at the time I wasn't dating Joe so she didn't know my family didn't know it was something I just decided one morning that I'm gonna go Dude, like, they thought you were just out in Japan just having tea drinking coffee just yeah yeah right and and so I'm going up there and I was probably about, you know, 95% of the way up. And oh this whole time, it's been cold, it's been raining, um, the air is light up there, I'm exhausted. Did it start raining as you were walking up there? Yeah, the whole time. But okay. I'm like, you know what, it's just rain. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to sure, happen? Sure, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of like the thought process oh, no. of going up. And then at around the 95% mark, I'm like, hey guys, like, you know, I'm done. You know, like, I'm not going to let the my ego get the best of me. I My legs are just completely exhausted. Jelly. I'm not dressed for this. I'm freezing and whatnot not i'm gonna turn uh, uh, turn back and they're like cool see you later so on the way down i'm like you know what this is easy peasy i'm going downhill now it's been a great day i did some like i like i came up you know i yeah. said i would it's a four thousand meter elevation yeah my goodness and on the way down there was like a little opening and i kind of went under it because it started to rain i'm like you know what I'm, I'm gonna stand under this little covering and i'm gonna have a sip of water and just chill out and so this part um all of this happened within seconds. I'm standing there, and this rain just got harder and harder. I'm like, all right, fine, that's fine. It's just rain. It might be a little slippery. Um, just be careful. And then that rain turns into hail. Oh, no. And then next thing you know, um, this uh, it, 
this fog just you know just hits the mountain you, you know you probably can't see more than 10 feet in front oh, of you oh my goodness uh, everything is icy suddenly this <laughs> hail just 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 ripping it down there's lightning everywhere all you hear is the wind the hail and the lightning oh, and i'm standing the there zeus got busy up yeah. there man <laughs> and this all happened by the way within seconds yeah seconds like i still had the water bottle in my hand oh my god and i just remember for the first time in my life i can truly say like shit i don't know what's gonna happen and that's a like that is not a feeling i i recommend anyone to put themselves yeah. into a position of were you contemplating um, that this might be the end this could be yeah like if, if, uh, it was rough, the first over. time in my life where i truly genuinely genuinely questioned am i gonna make it down okay wow and you know when you face that question and you truly question of like i actually might not make it down okay um that is not a good feeling because you're up there there's there's no calling for help there's no, like yeah there's no reception yeah you're getting there's no reception anything. no one knows i'm here you have no food um and yeah i had nothing i just had this this last bit of water with me and it was cold up there too and it was freezing that was the hard part because so you know what happened once I hit that realization, um, my fight or flight kicked in, and my first reaction, um, you know, to be completely honest, was flight, was to stay put, was to not move. I was scared. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stay put. I'm not going down this situation because, like, you can't even see in front of you. Like, like, poor visibility, icy, very strong winds. If that wind ever, like, if I slipped and that wind picked me up, I, like, I'm, I'm toast, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like a walking conductor on this mountain too. Of so there's also that part. And so. I stood there and I tr- tried to wait it out. I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. It just got windier. The, the the lightning got louder. Everything got icier. And it got to a point where I was like, if I don't move now, I'm going to get hyperthermia and I actually won't make it down. Man. Right. And this isn't, you know, running for your car in the rain. Right. This isn't running to the subway station. This is it's going to take a couple hours to get down Jeez. where that 20 minute adrenaline rush is not enough. Like yeah. you got to move. and It'll get the momentum it. going, but not enough to. Yeah. So that's kind of it. You know, I distinctly remember there was a point where I said, once I leave this little covering, there's no turning back. There's no stopping halfway. You're going. Yeah. Forget everything else. You're going to move. And I just remember just going for it. And then after that, I must admit, um, I don't remember. Like, it ha- Like it seemed like it happened like that. Because it was one step at a time. You're trying to navigate your way down this immense fog that doesn't let you see past 10 meters in front of you, 10 yes, feet in front of you. Yeah, and not slip and be very careful, right? Right, and try not to conduct Zeus's lightning on the side of this fucking volcano, man. Like, <laughs> that wasn't bad enough. Yeah. You're beside this thing that could erupt at any second, man. Like, Absolutely, right? <laughs> so I remember just getting down, and I've never been so grateful to be on the ground you know on wow. the land, just kind of going like oh my gosh and like I, I remember when I got down it was still cold it was raining but I was like you know what rain and cold it, it, like at that point all of those things that in our day-to-day life that seems so cumbersome oh it's Toronto it's cold oh it's raining those become um completely irrelevant yeah right mickey mouse champagne problems man exactly right and so to to tie back to your second question despite that and other things like breaking my arm and you know swimming across a river in vietnam where there's a waterfall and whatnot jeez 
why was starting a podcast the hardest thing? Um, because at the end of the day, that starting a podcast required me to overcome a fear and insecurity. Um, um, yeah, to have to be vulnerable, um, to put myself out there. Those are things that has held me down my entire life, right? Like at the end of the day, when it comes to like physically overcoming something, I I know my body enough to know that I could make it down if I'm very careful and I'm very, you know, one step at a time. But there was that moment of like, oh shit, am I going to make it? But yeah. once I started moving, that thought, you know, wasn't even there. There was no thought of, oh, am I going to make it anymore? It was just get your ass down, don't stop, don't like just be careful and just move. Um, and once you get into this, execution mode that fear kind of again becomes irrelevant like i had no choice i had to make it down i get it and i love that you have like now this vivid memory this moment in your life that you can look back on as a real metaphor right it's a thing that really happened in your life you remember what it felt like to be on the side of the mountain to be afraid to be cold to be wet and now you have the ability to look at any project you're working on and then draw from that metaphor and say, well, you know, there's some principles over here that could be applied to your life, which is one step at a time, which is things that left that are left uh, by themselves tend to get worse. The things you choose not to face will face you nonetheless. Like there's so many vi- like amazing lessons that you can draw from this. But that's not the only story that you have. Like you've got the Amazon, you've got biking and breaking your arm. Where does this desire to seek these opportunities come from? Because I feel like maybe you don't actually need them. Like you have this knowledge, you have the wisdom. Where does this desire to put yourself in difficult situations come from? Something I wish I had personally. So uh, two answers to that. I think one, um, the first one being it's, um, I'd say, very unconscious and part of who I am. So Mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, whenever someone asks me the question, who are you? You know, tell me a bit about yourself. I... I don't talk about, you know, where I grew up. I don't talk about my job. I don't talk about even my technique. I talk about myself being an adventurer. And that's kind of how I see everything, whether it's my personal development, whether it's my career, whether it's my mission, whether it's my relationship with Joe. And that's how her and I connect, whether it's my friendships like you and I. Everything's about being curious, making progress, moving along, trying things out, experimenting. It's action. It's not just curiosity and sitting there and talking about these crazy ideas, but it's doing it. It's trying it. It's execution. So that's one itch there. And, you know, I apply to different areas of my life, obviously. Um, With my day-to-day life in Toronto, I treat every day like an adventure. So why these wild, you know, uh, travel ones? You know, I think it's just a different way to flex the same muscle, but without being in a work or um, mental kind of environment yeah in a work setting um for example doing the podcast before every podcast including this one it's a mental fight for me for sure it's a mental because you got to show up you got to make sure that you're ready for the cameras to say things that are going to be caught you know chopped up into segments over there there's like a performance pressure that happens you and i are feeling it right now with the cameras and the lights and whatnot yeah right and that's not natural for you and i as introverts that's not natural at all and so it's a fight as well right like um, it's definitely a fight so you know every once in a while uh, at least once a year, you know, traveling is very important to me, seeing the world, exp- experiencing different things. And that's just another outlet of yeah. doing the same thing, of being curious, of trying new things, of pushing the boundaries, of flexing these mental skills, yeah. but in a physical environment. So, you know, when I was doing the Machu Picchu hike, um, the route that we took was called the uh, Salcante route. And on day two, it's called like the death for gringos or something like that because yeah. it's the hardest day. It's like 20 something kilometers. Um, the altitude is super high. And you know, that's where everyone struggles. And just 
I remember there's one part before we summited it on Salkin Say Mountain where, um, you know, like I would like to think I'm in shape. And I just remember taking each step was so difficult. It was so hard. And again, it's practicing that same, uh, you know, what I would call human capability of taking one step at a time, just focusing on taking the next step with the idea that I'm going to summit, but focusing on that step. And that's the same in hiking mounds. That's the same in entrepreneurship. That's the same in relationships. That's the same in everything. Man, you're making me rethink a definition that I've held true for a very long time. And I love that about you. Like you're able to make me question these fundamental beliefs that I have. I always believe that entrepreneurship was comprised of two things, which is confidence and risk tolerance. But I'm realizing now that what I meant to say with confidence was curiosity. And I think that's a better definition. So there's curiosity, the, uh, the, the, the willingness to look at a situation and say, how could this change? How could this be better? How could I you know, make this work? And what do I not know about this? And then the ability to move forward with there and endure any of the difficulties that come your way. So the risk tolerance is one thing and curiosity is the second part. Would you agree with that? Like Absolutely. that's a good definition of entrepreneurship. Very interesting. And it seems like travel satisfies both at the same time. Anytime you travel, whether you're traveling for leisure, for adventure, whatever it is you're traveling for, you're curious because you're learning new things about a new place. And then you're also subjecting yourself, depending on how you travel, you could travel in a really bougie way and be very comfortable, or you could go all in like you did. Absolutely. Um, I'd say you know, that framework of, you know, I would say it's, um, you know, which ties back to my fundamental version of success and principle, which is, you know, to live a life I'm proud of. And again, that comes back to being intentional and making progress. So being intentional with my curiosity to put myself out there and learn about the world, learn about people, learn about new topics, learn about yeah. new technologies, and then making progress and move and just move. And I think uh, those two combine um, really, you know, encapsulates everything I do. So while we're on the topic of entrepreneurship, Raf, uh, we're going to introduce a new segment over here. We introduced it in the last episode with Chris Backus, but it's funny, the listeners, depending on which version of the podcast they get, they might get this segment in there, they might not. Didn't really think it through as much as I should have, but it's the Halo Skull Modifier segment. Have you played Halo back in the day? No, I didn't. Oh, man, you're missing out. Okay, so basically Halo had this feature where you could activate things known as skulls, and what they were were they were different types of handicaps. So one would like remove your heads-up display, one would turn all of your bullets into bubbles, one would make the enemies overpowered. Every episode, starting from last episode, from the last episode, we introduce a custom modifier, something that puts us in a difficult situation, something that stresses us out a little bit where we have to think differently and break the script for a bit. And if you activate the skull and it's entirely up to you, then you become eligible for the guest of the year uh, honor. And it's going to be a, a battle that's going to be duked out by all of the different guests who have put out bangers of episodes, which you're no doubt, no doubt already doing. So let me ask you this first. Would you like to activate a skull? Absolutely. Okay, let's do this. So... The skull that we have for you is, uh, have you played Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day? I didn't play it, but oh, I'm aware no, of it. Oh, no, you missed out, man. Yeah. What were you doing in high school, buddy? <laughs> well, I say high school. I was probably playing it in first year university, too, just uh, putting that out there. Shout out to Amir. Um, we're going to play David Allen Yu-Gi-Oh! Kwaku, have you played Yu-Gi-Oh! See, Kwaku knows what's good, man. So Kwaku's actually going to be the judge over here. What we have in this skull... I'm going to show this for all the people watching on YouTube. This is our little Halo skull. Got a deck of cards. This is the best of David Allen's wisdom. So we're going to think about this in the context of entrepreneurship, of starting something up. So how this is going to work is you're going to draw five cards. I'm going to draw five cards. And then we have to find the best piece of wisdom, one card, and put it face down as far as entrepreneurship is concerned, as far as starting something is concerned. Then we're going to flip our cards and we're going to duel. And how we're going to do with Kwaku is going to decide what's the most effective, relevant piece of advice for an entrepreneur. 
Sound good? Done. Let's do this. So I'm going to shuffle this deck over here. <laughs> Take a look at David Allen, man. Look at this guy. What a beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so one thing you should know and yeah, listeners as well is that I am hyper competitive. As, oh, no. As Joe knows, uh, there's nothing I love more than to win. Um, I don't even mind like you know losing as as you know cliche and cheesy as that may sound, but any opportunity to win at something, there you go, I'm in. Let's, so let's, let's draw five from draw five cards from there, and then um, so the version that you're seeing over here at the back where you have just the titles, that's uh, the side that should be facing me, and then you should be able to read the descriptions over here. So look at these cards, and then basically pick the one that you think is the most relevant to entrepreneurship and. Man, may the may the best uh, dueler win here. Sounds good. Huh, so Kwaku, while we're doing this, as we're picking this, uh, you're you're gonna be bestowed with the responsibility of choosing the best advice. Okay, and we'll we'll do our best to explain the advice too, right? Oh man, this is really tough to do in uh, in this setting. Okay, I think I got mine. Interesting. So for the listeners right now, what we're doing is we're going through all five of our cards. Raf is looking at his cards. I'm looking at my cards and we're trying to find one piece of david allen's advice on each of these cards and there's things like 64 in this deck that is the most relevant in the context of starting up okay i'm ready to go you face down yep i'm face down i wish we had like a soundboard eventually we're gonna invest in a soundboard <laughs> we could have like a it's time to duel you oh god all right, ready to go? Here we Three, go. Two, one, boom. Okay, I'll read mine out first. So my card says, and the back of it says, make it happen. And so in the, in the context of starting up, when you start to make things happen, you really begin to believe that you can make things happen. And that makes things happen. So that was mine. Now you tell me yours, then I'll explain mine, then you explain yours, and then we turn it over to Kwaku. Yeah, so I mean, you know, f no, in the spirit of being transparent, this was by coincidence, and I had to pick this one because this truly, uh, you know, resembles what I just said. People love to win. If you're not totally clear about the purpose of what you're doing, you have no chance of winning. Ooh, okay, that's good. Very interesting. So let me explain mine, then you explain yours, and then let's see what happens. So I think that for me, when I started any of my companies, whether it was Skills Camp, Splash Effect, Ideas Into Action, Year One, whatnot, what was really challenging, shout out to our neighbors, by the way. Yeah, just, right. I am so curious to know what they're talking about back there. Um, but I didn't have natural confidence when it came to starting something. It's something we talked about on Friday, right? Uh, I had the risk tolerance, I had the curiosity, but I didn't have the confidence to start. And so it was only when I learned that by simply starting, no matter what 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 shape my business was in, like getting to 70, 75% and just hitting the publish button, whether it was publishing the book or the Skillshare course was what I needed to build momentum. So things started to happen when I just believed that they were happening. I think that's the best explanation I can do given the time constraints. Over to you. Before I go, is there an opportunity to poke holes in each other's? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, you're getting competitive okay, yeah. with this, man. I was just ready <laughs> to just... like show my blue eyes white dragon and call it a day, but geez. So for mine, I mean, there's two parts here, right? People love to win. That's just inherent in human nature. We want things, okay, right? And I think from a neurobiological perspective, when there is something, when there is a sense of a reward that kicks off certain, uh, you know 
neural reactions in our brain. And you know, by no means am I a neuroscientist. I'm not a researcher, not an area I'm qualified in. But you know, to the extent of my readings and my learning as a student and as a practitioner, you know, when there is a sense of a reward, there is a certain reactions like you know dopamine and adrenaline in your body that creates a sense of a desire. When you desire something, you it feels good and you want to attain it, right? So you want that food, you want to see that movie, you want to listen to that song. So we are inherently wired to win. So I think that's a fair starting point there. Next, so if you're not totally clear about your purpose of what you're doing, that is fundamentally my DNA. It's to be intentional. You know, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, is one of my favorite classics. And that's probably one of the books that kicked off my entrepreneurial and personal development journey. You have to have intent. Does it mean you have to have a solid plan? No. Does it mean you have to have the blueprints and you're just going to follow and execute that for the rest of your life? Absolutely not. But you need to have a sense of direction. And that's for entrepreneurship. That's for life. That's for traveling. You have to be intentional about be intentional about where you're going and that desire to win allows you to iterate and adjust and adapt along the way, which again is part of human DNA. Damn, he killed that, didn't he? Oh shit. <laughs> okay, uh, Kwaku, I, I, I think I know what you're gonna say, but uh, who won that round? Do you mind if I... Oh yeah, please, by all means, yeah, come through, man. So um, I definitely appreciate Raf's um, answer, but I have to go with Hamza's. Yo! For for no like both of them were really good for the specific reason that most entrepreneurs or most young people trying to start something feel like they're not worth it and once they're able to start and see some kind of success you get addicted to um the work you're doing and then you continue to make it happen then you lead to what you're trying to say of wanting to win because they have that addiction so I gave it to Hamza off of the simple basis of the first stage is the starting point and then moving on to yours so. For sure. There's one thing that, you know, Thanks, Walker, had I had that card, just because, you know, something that we're trying to do at my technique, you know, a part of it is to give the tooling for you to start, right? right? You know, if we think back about, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago, it's about how can we create systems in our life to get started, to move along, to build momentum? Because I think that's key. And, you know, the challenge with having a pur- having your purpose um defined or even knowing what your purpose is i think that's the root of so much anxiety in our generation so overwhelming man right because everyone talks about it i don't know what my why is i don't know what my my purpose is yeah Yeah. and i think those are great concepts and i can sell that all day but i'm very i'm also fully aware of why i'm doing technique yeah why i'm focusing on the everyday person while i really you know focus on it on interviewing people at the beginning of their journey because you need to build momentum. And that's something that I think uh, we share a mutual mentor, Drew Dudley. Yo, shout out to Drew. Shout out to Drew. Day one, Drew. You know, one of the most insightful things he ever said to me was, Raph, I think it's good to have goals, but don't chase goals and chase momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he taught and, me that too. And that is what systems are. That's the a flywheel effect, right? Yeah. You know, like you don't start by overcoming this giant wheel or, or in the case of Will Smith, yeah. you don't start by building the wall. You focus on putting down that one brick oh, dude. as best as you possibly can. You do that every single day. You get a wall and, and momentum is so important there. Did I, man, you're so right, man. Did I ever tell you about the time that I sort of like hit a, hit a wall of depression, maybe like 26, 26? Um, one of the shittiest things that ever happened to me is I reached all of my goals. And I know it's so weird for me to say that out loud. I think this is like the first time I've ever articulated it 
in public, but I hit all of my goals like around 26, 27. And it was terrifying because I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. This isn't what I thought it was going to be like. Like, I still have so many pain points in my life. Why did I think that this was going to be the answer? Like, I had the title, I had the company, the revenue streams were activated, but still I was just missing a lot. And then I realized that what happened is I set those goals as like a 17-year-old. As a teenager, I had projected out into the future with the knowledge that I had. And then I reached the goals that a 17-year-old set. And then I realized, oh, okay, now I don't know what to do. I've lost my sense of self because my identity was tied up with the hustle, the momentum, the chase. And now I didn't have that chase anymore. So I had to sit down and think about like, okay, so how do I now create these new things that I know I'm never going to reach, but I know I'll be happy along the journey, the momentum journey. But that's key, right? You know, tying back to, you know, when I think about what a life um, that I'm proud of looks like, it's having intent, having direction, and then progress, as mm-hmm. earlier, right? It was intent and progress. There's nothing in there about making it. There's nothing in there about um, achieving what yeah. success looks like. I don't think you can ever achieve what success looks like. I think yeah. if you're in the process of being intentional and making progress towards something you care about, that to me is my version of success. And you know, I share a very similar story um, as you, right? I think I was about 24, and that's probably when I kicked off this whole um, personal development, yeah. productivity, entrepreneurship You were at PwC at the time, Yeah, I was right? in yeah. consulting. I was living downtown. I was living with the that life, girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, I was making good money. I was partying. I was clubbing, sure, bottles, man. everything. This I was, was the dream that was sold to you, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Like in university, that's all you wanted. You wanted fitted suits. You want to live downtown Nakanda. You want a, like a nice job. You want sure. you know, disposable income. The things, the fantasies that you have as a teenager, yeah. right? And there was definitely a point where it was like, okay, you got it. Now what? Now what? What's next? And and it was really when I kind of had a reset moment on on all those things that I really got to um, look inward again, as as you know, cliche as that may sound, and really think about what are the things that matter. Yeah. And that's when you know productivity and personal development kind of really, um, you know, I start to grow in my life. It's interesting, man. Jim Carrey said that I hope everyone gets to be rich and famous once, so that they realize that being rich and famous doesn't mean shit. Yeah. And I think about that in the context of some of the things that we just talked about. Like, I hope everybody gets to self-actualize. I hope everybody gets to reach their goals so that they realize that, like, true happiness actually isn't tied up in your work. It actually isn't tied up in the tangible things that you get from it. Like, it's a feeling. It's an intangible thing. It's knowing that you're doing something that matters. It's knowing that, you know, when all is said and done, that your life is going to continue afterwards in the good interactions, positive interactions you had with people, in the learnings that you put out into the world. I think that... You know, what we're trying to do through the process of ideas into action, my technique respectively, but not just that, like thinking about ThoughtWire, conversations, the articles that we put out, just the expressions of Raf and Hamza is hopefully, you know, we'll be able to be happier at the end of whatever this journey is. I don't have a destination in mind. I have no idea where this podcast is going to go, but we're here. We're doing it. This is episode eight, I think. There's going to be episode 800. We're going to be do, we're going to be old men graying, probably like rolling in here on wheelchairs, cutting podcasts until the end of time, man. But that's the point, right? Like, you know, like this... Makes me happy, man. This pursuit of um, some end... it's the pursuit as, as you know, again, like everyone always says, like focus on the journey, focus on the process. Um, but I think it's more than just a quote and, and some Instagram post. This is one, 
wired in us from a biology perspective, right? So humans naturally create progress and growth. And two, that's the joy of it, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when I, and I think I got this from you when I thought of like my eulogy and those kind of concepts, yeah, I started yeah, to yeah. think about, okay, at the end of the day, what is that one question I'm going to ask? And it's really, you know, did I live a life I was proud of? Like, can I yeah. say, fuck yeah, that was one hell of a ride. I was intentional and I made progress and I kept pushing until the very that's end. It. That, that's it. And and if I can get that, I'm good. Yeah, are you going to reach your full potential essentially, right? It always bugged me when I was younger and my dad would say things like, you know, if I had the opportunities that you had, if I had the platform that you had, that I would be here, I would be there. And it always pissed me off. But now that I get older, I think to myself, like there was, you know, maybe he might not have worded it the way that I wanted to hear it, but the message still resonates true, which is we're lucky, man. Like we've drawn the best cards possible as far as the geographic lottery is concerned. We live in Canada, one of the most progressive places in the world. As far as timing is concerned, best time to start a company. We have the right mindset for it. We have the benefit, the privilege of education, friends and network. How much of a tragedy would it be if we didn't start our respective companies at this time? Like nothing bums me out more than the thought of Hamza lying in his deathbed saying, when this boom was happening, when people were starting companies, I was playing it safe. I did the safe thing. I don't know. What, how do you feel about that, man? Do you feel like, um, you know, there's a version of Raf that could be content doing the safe thing? You know what? I'd be lying if I said I didn't, right? I would be completely lying if I said that, you know, when I first started. And even till like today, I still fight that battle. And, you know, like my girlfriend knows, you know, there's a... Now it's not as regular, maybe once a day, maybe once every two days, where I ask myself, why can't I just be, you know, quote unquote, normal? You know, mm. I'm 27 years old. I make good coin. Yeah. I have a fancy title. Dude, you're I loving relationship. A, yeah. Great I partner. Relationship. Yeah. I got capital. I Check marks. Yeah. Check marks. Are, it's all checked. Like, yeah. I should be good. You know, why can't I just do the 27-year-old the thing sure. and, and go to dinners every weekend and whatnot? Like, why am I, you know, banging out podcasts on a of Friday course. night? Why, why, why are we here on a Tuesday night? Right. You know? And so I definitely ask myself that question, right? Um, but, you know, whenever that question kicks in, I, I remind myself um, all the things you mentioned. It has never been more exciting as a human in human history than it is today where um and um even just for myself like you know like um, excluding all the external factors that you just mentioned yeah. about being in Canada and education and whatnot but just uh you know if you think about it this way I've never had more experiences in my life I've never had more wisdom in my life I've never had more relationships in my life I've never had more capital in my life yeah these are all the assets you need to do whatever it is that matters to you. And it doesn't even have to be about starting a business. Heck, if someone wants to go and travel the world, hey, look, this is the time to do it. If, if you want to go and join a company or you know, to, to open some art studio or whatever it is or get into fitness, I don't care, um, do it. And I think that's, that's the one thing that excites me the most every morning. That, that like That's why I get fired up every yeah. morning is because – I have the opportunity to do something. I have all the assets. I've never had more assets and capabilities than I've ever had in my life. There you go. Do I have everything that I need? No, no. But I'm acquired along the way. But in my 27 years of being alive, I've never had all the things I need to do what I want to do. And that excites me. Man, that, that makes me so happy. I mean, it's making me really like giddy about all the things that I've got going on. And it's taking me back to one of the stories that uh, I helped to author back when I had the year one project. I think this was the story that actually kicked off the entire project. So I read that... Kobe Bryant would, without fail, sink in 200 to 400 buckets a day. 
every single day without fail. On his days off, he would go to the gym and he would just shoot 400 buckets. And I thought to myself, like, what an obsessive, weird thing to do. And then I started looking at patterns. I'm like, let's look at other people who are in the Kobe category. Let's find the Kobe of acting, the Kobe of nonprofits, the Kobe of writing. And I found the Kobe of writing. I found Stephen King. He wakes up every day, writes two pages without fail. Doesn't matter. All of them are shit. Every now and then what happens is he'll sit down, be inspired, and he'll bust out Cujo, Pet Cemetery, The Shining and whatnot. But it comes from investing in that muscle and doing the thing that nobody else will do, like living a few years of your life like nobody else will, so you can live the rest of your life like nobody else can. And when everyone else is sleeping, you're up obsessing about my technique, thinking about the next podcast. Last weekend, people are having brunch. What are you doing? You're cutting an episode with Daniel Breeze. It's outside. It's Tuesday night. People are enjoying the sun. They're having a great time. The two of us over here, Kwok, we're in here cutting a podcast. So... I think this is a reflection of what we want. We we want our respective endeavors to succeed. And we're putting in the time. We're making the progress towards it. And I think that might be the formula that, you know, we can both, you know, we could overlap the My Techni formula, the, the Canvas Series formula, the Ideas into Action formula, the Year One formula, the overlap. If you were to bring those Venn diagrams together, I think it all comes back to that. Like just setting that goal, yes. wanting it more badly than anyone else, and then doing the things that will get you closer to it. Yes, and, you know, to, again, to, you know, like, as I hear that, uh, this principle, again, comes to surface, right? You know, when you're doing your research about what Kobe's doing and the Kobe's of X are doing. Sure. Those are those universal success principles. They are, right? It's no secret, right? There's no magic formula. um, And, you know, like, and that's something that, you know, I've committed to my listeners, users, customers is that I will never create an ebook with the formula because that's all available. It's it's no secret, right? That's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah. that's the theoretical knowledge of when we circle back to the top of the episode. That's that theoretical knowledge. But how you apply it is on you. So for me, you know, um, sheer hard work and bang out hours and late hours that works for me that may not work for someone else and that's cool like I, yeah. like, like I would never knock on someone who says hey you know what on Friday nights I want to I want to go out and do more power man hey, man like go all the it. power to you I'm gonna bust my ass because that's what works for me right yeah and so um, that's so important to really understand what are other people doing but to really think about how to find what works for you so let's use this as a perfect segue to go into the performance points questions this is what I've been super excited about because I've rewritten many of these questions just for you. Um, And now that I think about it, what I want to do moving forward, because this is still a pilot season of the podcast, we've asked some repeating stock questions, but I want to tailor them for everyone else because I think that what we'll arrive at is individual applications of the, the, the general principles. So let's start with time. So let's frame this as an executive. You're an executive right now at ThoughtWire. And something interesting happens when you transition into an executive role, which I share right now at Student Life Network, is that the expectation is that this is everything. Like, it's no longer your entry level. You're no longer intermediate. Like, you got to live, breathe, and die by this because now this is your company as well. Like, you have ownership in it, whether you actually have ownership, but even just by virtue of your position, positional leadership, you're supposed to do this 24-7. As an executive, how do you carve out time for your multiple side hustles? 
I use my calendar. I am relentless with blocking out time in my calendar and planning accordingly. You know, especially balancing both between ThoughtWire, my technique, and the other priorities in my life, right? It's, it's not just, you know, career and mission. There's also my fitness, my relationship with Joe, uh, my family, my friends, connecting with the community, you know, catching up with you know, people like yourself. So it's being relentless with my calendar, um, being very strategic about it, putting in the time, investing in it, Every Sunday night, you know, I really think about, you know, what are the things that are on my plate right now? How can I jigsaw it together? It's kind of like, you know, when I look at my calendar view for a week, it's like Tetris and all these blocks in different colors. And I'm moving things around. I'm seeing what what works in the most optimal manner given what I got to do. Mm-hmm. And um, as an executive, that's been, you know, so critical because, yeah, to your point, you know, my my job at ThoughtWire is not a nine to five job. Yeah, it right? should be all consuming. Right, right, right. And I work, you know, I I am effectively an extension of my CEO. Yes. And you know, not only has not only is he my CEO, he's a mentor, he's a friend, he's taught me so much about business. And you know, we work together. We're a team, and I and I always think about how can I help him and help the company. You know. C- continue to grow and scale and that's not a nine to five job no right but i love it and and again that's what works for me and that's something i truly enjoy how do you deal with like even if this hasn't even happened but how would you deal with some criticism that might come from your ceo being like hey you got time for the podcast you got time for my technique why don't you invest that time back into thoughtwire how would you how would you respond to that uh, so to be honest i haven't dealt with that yeah. uh, that's been something that you know when we when we think about some of the things I got to deal with mentally, that's something that at some point I know I'm going to have to deal with. I haven't come across as because I've I've been able to deliver on outcomes. Yeah. So that keep question, your ship in shape. Yeah, exactly. Before, yeah. Like it hasn't been in question in terms of hey, Raft, you're slacking. Yeah. Oh, is it because you're spending too much time on this? And I think that's really it, which is really around thinking about, you know, wh- when I think about my days. Um, from a planning perspective, I would say every hour from the hour I wake up to the hour I go to, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, almost every hour is accounted for. There you go. Um, yeah. Literally. And now, does it mean I execute according to it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'd be lying to you if I said that I I hit every calendar event, you know, to the minute, to the second. Um, but it gives me a guideline. It gives me a path, and it helps me be intentional, right? And I and, and that is so important for anyone who who is doing multiple things, who have multiple priorities. And again, that's everybody, yeah. right? This idea of just work and life that's gone. That's but gonna disappear. It bothers me whenever I talk to people and like they aren't governed by any system. Like they don't know what they're gonna do on a given day. Like it just it's a system breaker. To me i wake up in the mornings and i'm like hey i'm on autopilot like you tell me where to go phone you tell me where to go google because i've programmed this the night before i know the five priorities i need to accomplish the day of and i know where i need to physically be like my calendar said be here at 7 p.m i'm here at 7 p.m and then i showed up for the podcast after this i have my calendar telling me go home then decompress and journal and fall asleep that might be too regimented for people, but I've lived the opposite life which is totally unstructured and that was terrifying to me it's like what do i fill my days with yeah. Um, and you no know, somewhere in that spectrum of no structure and being systematic is where everybody sits. So right? then let's talk about like the next piece of this which is like how you determine how much downtime is enough. So when you have this unstructured time, when you when it's time to not be structured and relax, how do you how how does your mind process that? Cuz like you and Joe recently you were at a photography class and then you read together, you spend quite a bit of time together, you have your solo time for reflection, meditation. How how do you how do you know if you're doing downtime right? So two things, I'm intentional about it. So 
what I mean by being intentional about it, I put that in my calendar too, right? So I may not figure out exactly what I'm doing or where I'm doing, but Saturday beginning at 6 p.m. for the rest of the night, it's, you know, do whatever I want to do time. Sure. Go out with Joe, catch up with friends, grab a drink, whatever it is. So I'm very intentional about when those blocks of free time or personal time is, right? This idea of free time for me is just time that I put in my calendar that um, is for social and whatever that looks like is fair game but like this I, I I don't have free time there's no I can't remember um, any block days or blocks of time where I'd say I truly have no idea what I'm doing right now I don't even know if I should be playing video games right now or reading right now mm-hmm. no like like you only have so much time in a day and and I think when you're intentional about it you actually enjoy it more right like I'm sure you get the question as well you know people ask well Hamza if you're so structured how do you live life hey like you know back to that point earlier I don't hit it a hundred percent um and you know if something comes up uh, having it in my calendar at least makes it visible on what my trade-off is. And that allows me to be more present. So say on a Friday night, I had planned from you know 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. I'm working on a podcast, and then a buddy calls me and goes like, hey, you know, we're go- there's this party that um, you know, I got invited to, you wanna come? If I say yes, then I know I'm giving up those four hours of work. I'm gonna enjoy that party that much more. Right. And like, you know, like we've all been there when we've gone out to restaurants and parties and there's someone's on their phone and people are on the gram. Yeah. And they're kind of just, you know, they're not really there. They're not there. Yeah. yeah like when I'm out, I am there because I know I gave up four hours of productive quality time. So I'm here for a reason which trumps me working on my mission. And that makes me a lot more present and I enjoy it that much more. Yeah. And I think that's what living a life is that you're proud of means that like I don't, you know, drift through my life and, and, you know, sc- like scroll on the gram when I'm out and not know why I'm out. Um, yeah. That's so important. I feel like you earn your downtime. Like you really work for it. Yeah. And then when you show up, like you feel like the, you know, it tastes better. It's kind of like when you cook your own food, it's like, oh, this actually tastes better because I've been involved in the arduous process of putting it together, thinking about it. And now that it's here, God damn, this is Michelin star worthy. Like this yeah, is fantastic. Exactly, right. Like I'm not always on, you know, when I'm like, I'm about to go to Vietnam in a couple of weeks with Joe. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be working, you know, no. and really, you know, doing thought wire or my technique stuff and that's okay because i've consciously decided that these three weeks are adventure with my girlfriend yeah guilt-free time exactly yeah that's super interesting i have that too and i structure like i'm a big gamer too i don't play as often as i would like but when i do play i'm all in man like i schedule entire day blocks like i had last sunday i was just like i'm playing video games all day i'm gonna wake up and just play destiny all day we're busting out the mountain dew my fingers are gonna be covered in cheetos dust i'm all in we're, we're going serious with this and it felt fantastic i didn't feel guilty about doing it because i knew that i'd worked my ass off the entire week and i said here we go like this is now structured time that's downtime. How often do you audit your time though? Like how often do you check to see that you're spending time working on the right things and that everything is in proportion? Every week. Every week. Every week. And what does your audit process look like? So, um, you know, um, it probably helps to kind of you know quickly explain, you know, what is my system in place and you know, to really keep it simple, it's my calendar. So there's four colors that I use that I, I use to um, organize what my week looks like. And then I use a Trello board that I kind of, I've structured it to be very similar to a, a Kanban board um, in terms of agile methodology. And so every week I, I commit to certain things that I'm going to do. And then I work through the process. I get it done. I'm, I, you know, it ties into my calendar on when I'm going to do it. Um, I budget enough time time based on how complex I think it is. Sometimes it goes over, sometimes it goes 
um, under again like that's that's part of life and like I don't like I don't you know like I'm not um, obsessive to the point where it's like you know if I say I'm only doing this for two hours it's two hours up that's it you know sometimes it takes longer but then there's also that principle that you know work fills the amount of time you allocate to that yeah which is why putting, law, yeah. yeah exactly which why putting time is so important and then at the end of the week I really just look at it like how much of the things that I commit to got done? Um, how did that look in my calendar? And that's a reflection of not just work stuff, but also personal stuff. I look at that. And again, is every week perfect? Do I hit 100% every week? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where momentum comes in, where it's not about you know dwelling on, oh, I got it, you know, like only 80% done, but it's really, okay, so why did that happen? What worked? what didn't work and what can we learn for next week right. and every single week it's about iterations and improvements and that's on a productivity level you know, that's what Joe and I do from a relationship sure, perspective yeah. as well right it's like what worked what didn't work and what can I learn for next week and, and and that's part of my process it's interesting whenever people criticize that and say that that's too robotic and I think that like you and I have talked about this and uh maybe we'll talk about it offline maybe it's not a conversation for the camera but we have we have certain methods in our lives that enlighten us to the natural order of things absolutely there's things that we do that help us see the code in the matrix uh um, let's not get into specifics maybe not on this podcast maybe for maybe for a future podcast (laughs) but that's the most natural thing to take a systematic iterative approach to life like you go up against a challenge if that challenge knocks you back down you go back to the drawing board and figure out how to become more applied and focused towards it very interesting, man. You're, you're making me really appreciate that maybe the criticism of being called a robot and, you know, being defined as, as too organized and too systematic is actually human. It's more human than anything else. Absolutely, right? And, you know, when I get questioned that or criticized for that, you know, my question is always, okay, well, you know, let me ask you, have you ever felt time where, you know, like you're not making the best of your time? or you don't know where your time went and that's a classic one because I always get people yeah. on that one right and and the answer is always oh yeah it happens I'm like well you know, do you know where your money went it's like yeah well like how do you not know where your time, time went? Time more valuable. one resource that you can't get back. You can make all the money in the world, sure. but you can't get more time back. That's where I don't care if you're Elon Musk or whoever yep. you are we all have the same amount of time in a day that yep. is a finite resource and you know I think being structured and systematic about it to whatever again back to whatever you know where on that systematic um, spectrum you sit right I think you know you and I probably sit in the more systematic part yeah. there are people who are even more systematic than we Big are time, and there's man. people who are less systematic you have to be intentional and you have to be um, you know continuously evolving your system and I and again that's why it's so embedded in who I am and what I believe in and what I'm working towards and really what I'm trying to give to the world I want to give people a seamless tool so that everyone can also understand that it's really Really easy to be intentional and systematic about how you approach things and and you can live a life you're proud of and you're not kind of wondering where time went or what you did or you know being on the phone when you're out for dinner like the amount of times I see that just bothers me like I think it's so unfortunate I, yeah. I, I I really do yeah same here man hey maybe I was just thinking while you were saying all of that like Kanye West of all people could be an investor in my techni man it's not a far 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 cry uh, he tweeted I think a couple of years ago he said in one of his like 4am tweet storms he said time is the only luxury and I thought to myself like man of all the bullshit you're tweeting about like this is one that you really got right like time is the only luxury everything else is like what, what, what are we really measuring in terms of value here let's switch gears and talk about energy so you've given us a lot of great habits that you have and I think I'm learning a lot I've been taking notes over here I want to know if you've ever had a bad energy draining habit that you've had to overcome. 
a bad energy draining habit. Something that you did that just sapped your energy that you look back now and you're like, why was I doing that? Going out and clubbing. Going out and clubbing. That was your yeah. thing? So that, you know, that's interesting. Mine was smoking back in the day. I used to be a smoker, believe it or not, man. So like, you know, when I think back about it, you know, do I regret those days? Absolutely not. And again, the the nights that I enjoyed the most, um, you know, whether I fully remember or not, it's a different question. But the nights I can say I enjoyed the most, I enjoyed them. And I don't regret those. Just so so we're very clear here, because a lot of my friends know, like, I love to party. There's definitely a good amount of my life where it was part of who I am and I will live and breathe it until I die. We missed missed each other on our respective club rat packs, man. I would have loved partying with you, man. But there were also enough nights where I went out because that's kind of what I thought I was supposed to do. Right. Now, mind you, I used to go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Jeez. three nights a week, every single week. East. I don't care if it's a summer or winter. <laughs> you go, you jam, you party. Standing in and line, dude, doing your yeah, thing, man. Yeah, I did that enough times. And, ah. you know, again, there was nights that I enjoyed, but there were so many nights that I can think of now where I was that person I just mentioned earlier. Yeah. I was at the club. I was on my phone. I didn't even know why I was there. I didn't even know why I came yeah. out that night. And just being an introvert, that drained the crap okay, out of me. Yeah. And I didn't even enjoy it. And I see that so much. And it's because I wasn't intentional about it. I just thought that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I was in my early 20s. Uh, you know, why not? And, and uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe it was the thing we were supposed to do. Like maybe there was no other way to arrive at the wisdom that we have now. Maybe to to have this perspective about being structured and about valuing time, we had to have we had to pass through that that irresponsible time in our lives. Like we're definitely it sounds like we weren't responsible partiers like Kwaku. Like Kwaku's definitely a responsible partier. He's got friends that hook him up, man. Like I saw some of his Instagram stories, bottle service every time he goes out. I'm like, yo, who is this guy, man? This guy's just balling out of control. He's like, yo, man, hold on. I'm good with my money, man. Like these are my friends who take care of this. You know, I feel like you and I were stupid, man. We were just like swiping the card. And, yeah, you know, I just spend money. Just spend money and we lost time, money, and energy. Like yes. talk about like three um, resources that's clear that... though, like, you know, do I regret it again? Absolutely not. No, no I wouldn't trade what, for anything, man. I wouldn't trade time. that for anything in the world. Um, like for the good nights, fantastic. Oh, dude. Good laugh, Made some of my memories. best friends, yeah. Absolutely, right? And for the nights that I you know, question why I was there, hey, look, that's informed my wisdom for today, right? I, you know, back to that whole audit piece, you know, I don't really do a big like semi-annual or annual audit. Um, I do audits every week because it's about very short and closed feedback loops and you know waiting a whole year before you reflect and plan it's a silly idea that that feedback loop is too long i can't tell you where i'm going to be a year from now but i can tell you where i'm going to be next week yeah and i focus on these really short feedback loops build momentum get moving make progress and over time you get way more outcomes than doing this one grand slam planning a year that's it buddy and how do you now preserve mental energy because from the moment you wake up high octane cognitive output that's involved with ThoughtWire and all of your other projects. But by the end of the day, it seems like you're still just as sharp working on your other projects. How do you sustain that much focus and mental energy throughout the day? So that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. Okay. I've had to be honest with you. You know, I think even just last year, I um, I, I would say I um, hit a wall pretty frequently. I'd say every three weeks or so, I just completely collapse, you know, whether that's full burnout or not, you know, to whatever degree that looks like. Um, so now, it, you know, Around November, October, it really occurred to me that, look, I'm doing pretty good in my career. I'm making progress on my mission. I'm doing a lot more than I ever imagined I would do. Right now, the biggest priority for me is this theme about building capacity. 
building capacity in the things in my life that I neglected over time, health being one of them. So being disciplined with my sleep. I mean, Joe makes me go to sleep at 1030, right? Um, That was the domino effect that once I got my sleep right, I started exercising better. Um, I can say confidently, I haven't missed a single workout this year so far. I mean, we're only about three months in, but 100% of my workouts, when I started sleeping better, I started working out consistently, working out better, and then I started eating better. Mm-hmm. And that's been a domino effect. And that's been hard, man. Like, you know, back to one of my strengths, which is also a weakness, everything's a two-sided coin. Yeah. Um, you know, my biggest strength is like, I can bust ass and work hard. Um, sure, and, and roll I don't, up your sleeves, uh, get it done. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's definitely something that has gone me very far in all aspects of my life. But the downside to that is I get so obsessed with getting the job done that I neglect so many things along the way. Um, and that's something that drains my energy. And, you know, there, it got to a point last year where it's like, you know, by 9.30, I feel like I got, like, hit by a truck. Like, I'm just exhausted. Yeah. No amount of caffeine can help me. I'm just like, wow, I can't Done. believe I'm doing this. And that's not healthy being at 26 years old. So that's kind of where I'm thinking right now is, is to take a more balanced and integrated approach and build capacity is my priority. That's interesting, man. So we talk, often talk about, like, mental, physical, and emotional energy. Are you a spiritual guy? I how do you define spiritual? I mean, do you meditate? Yes. Do you have organized faith in your life or you know, do you believe in a higher power? Yes. Do you pay tribute to that all of that all of the above? Yeah. Interesting. So, do you think that maybe there's a fourth dimension of energy, which is spiritual energy? And I know this is like bordering on like Joe Rogan esque topics over here talking about just concepts that are so out there, but I feel like it's worth 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 mentioning. Like, do you feel like you can draw on this fourth pool of energy? Spiritual energy, and does that contribute to your productivity? No. So um, if I had to be honest, I don't think I get my energy from um, some spiritual source. I think the practice of being someone um, who practices um, spirituality, meaning someone who meditates, someone who searches for purpose and meaning, um, that gives me energy, right? So um, having... I'm not even having my purpose figured out. I don't have my purpose figured out. I don't know what that looks like. It's the pursuit of meaning and purpose and my why. That's what wakes me up every single day. That's what I mentioned about 45 minutes ago. That gets me going. So, you know, is that some spiritual source of my internally, um, like internally derived? I think more the latter. That's kind of how I see it. Interesting, man. Let's, let's shift gears to now talking about attention. So I want to talk specifically about the tools that you're using to help you stay focused. I know eventually my technique is going to be that one, the omni tool that brings everything together but until we get to that point what are the things that comprise your you know your attention dashboard the things that help you stay focused so again my calendar this is my baby i can't live without my calendar you know what's in my calendar for that time slots what i do again because i've consciously decided what i'm gonna do and i put that in my calendar i don't multitask i don't you know i don't do different things wish i was elsewhere if i wished i was elsewhere to be honest i would be there yeah right I'm, i'm very intentional about that and that helps me focus that helps me you know um, center my attention on what needs to be done and and what's in that calendar was methodically planned and thought about. Got it. And what would you say is your most, uh, your single most important strategy for staying focused? The one governing principle that you have when you're sitting down to do some work that you say to yourself, Raf, this is the thing that's going to help us lock in on the task. Not multitasking. Oh, I used to be good. the worst um offender of that yeah yeah um, you would multitask or try to multitask yeah, there's really exactly. no such thing yeah and not even just multitasking i think you know but 
constantly contact switching so mm. randomly reaching for my phone and again i am guilty of that um i still catch myself doing that especially when i am tired and i have less willpower um to you know to stay focused i will just reach for my phone i don't even know why yeah right and and again it's the drug reach, man it's like yeah. doing a line of coke man right exactly right and once you reach for your phone you get lost in some scrolling gram oh god thing. and then to get back into contacts and get back into focus yeah i think it was you who actually just said um on the, on the camera series where there was a study that microsoft conducted that it takes about 15 minutes, 15 minutes yeah, in the, yeah like in the zone and those numbers are even going up higher now man yeah and and how many interruptions happen per hour is also going up it used to be like three per hour in a traditional workplace but that's just assuming that like somebody opens the door like kramer is like hey you know raf can you uh you know did you watch the raptors game last night where baka punched out the, <laughs> i forget the guy's name man but basically now you're imposing those distractions on yourself by reaching for your phone like every time you open up your phone reach for it and you scroll down that's one more decision you have to make subconsciously and that contributes to ego depletion which means that by the end of the day you're tired Yes. And you just can't do, you can't make good decisions when you're tired, man. Yes, and that's one thing I try to do. Like, I, like I try my best to put my phone away. Now, mind you, sometimes, like, I, like, like I, you know, someone might call me for something. Like, it depends, but I really do make an effort to minimize distraction and multitasking yeah. and focusing on one task. Um, with the you know premise and principle that it was intentionally put there. Wow. And that was something that I deliberately did. Raph, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I feel like, you know, talking about time, energy, and attention in the, just the hour and a half that we've had together over here, I mean, I feel like there's so many, so many more episodes that we're going to have ahead of us. Like, you're definitely part of the Ideas into Action family. We're going to have to do entire episodes just dedicated to one of these practices. Not enough time to go through everything, obviously, tonight. But let's, let's, let's wind down with a rapid fire round over here where I'm going to ask you a series of 50 questions and I want you to just say the first thing that comes to your mind uh, and don't worry these questions are are, are are not gonna are not gonna stress you out the way that our, our little David Allen <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh Halo game uh, played out and you know what if we have time why don't we just do one more round of that in the context of leadership let's see how it goes so let's go ready for this yep. boom the last book you read High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard oh man very interesting I keep on getting that as a recommendation on Amazon That's a good one Okay, you do ebook or physical copy? Uh, physical. Yeah. Oh damn, are you are you like you you I like your physical? physical? Yeah. Oh damn, eh? Okay, very interesting. Question number two: What are three podcasts that you regularly listen to? Right now, they are Mind Pump, the Knowledge Project, and the AMAs from Impact Theory. Damn, and who are the first two from? Uh, Mind Pump. I can't remember the three guys' name. Um, it's like a fitness entrepreneurship type one. Again, it ties into my building capacity theme right now. And the Knowledge Project was started by this guy who started the Farnham Street. He's based in Oh, Ottawa, yeah. And it's kind of like a personal development and systematic um, tips for yeah. Wall Street. He's got a great Twitter account too, man. He's just dropping knowledge over there. So good, man. What's a game-changing book that everyone should read? Uh, t- if I can pick one, the first one comes to mind, Sapiens. And yeah. the reason why I bring that up is because, um, you know, like it's a crash course introductory, uh, but to understand humans and where we came from and how we evolved and understanding what are the things that kept us alive, this, you know, this insignificant species that became who we are, built the infrastructure that we oh, built, God. understanding what that is and how you can leverage that in your day-to-day life, uh, I think is so valuable. I love it, man. What's your favorite childhood TV show? Simpsons. Simpsons. What's your current worst habit? Current worst habit. Ooh. Uh, skipping on my readings at night. Oh, you, you read nightly, eh? Yeah, I read in the morning and night. And I, oh, I, I tend to skip that one just because, like, 
yeah, like there's no reason to be honest with you. It, it's just a bad habit I get, like, I catch myself into sometimes. Oh, dude, it's a good habit I don't even have. So you read morning and night, yeah. so half an hour in the morning, half an hour at night. Yeah. Damn, I used to be good at doing half an hour at night. That fell by the wayside. It became like an hour on the weekends. But I've been reading this article. It keeps on surfacing for some reason. I see it on Medium. It pops up on my Twitter feed all the time, which is uh, the most successful people read five hours a week no matter what. Yeah, an hour a day, five days straight. Very interesting. Oprah, Mark Zuckerberg, you name it. What does a person need to be happy? To be intentional. Mm-hmm. What's an app that you can't live without? My calendar. Which calendar do you use? Uh, Google Calendar. Shout out to Google Calendar. Uh, what's your boxing walkout song? Fort Minor, remember the name. Yo! <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a playback. Right? Oh, man. That is, you know what? I know exactly what I'm going to listen to on the way home. Jeez, I forgot about that. I forgot the name. Um, if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? I'd say I'm any astronaut in space. Yeah. Oh, man. Just How think cool about, would that be? Just think about that first. Total perspective shift, eh? Like, you yeah. just zoom out. That's the most zoomed out you can be as a human being. Yeah, and, like, wow. talk about adventure. Talk about anything can happen out there. Yet, you know, just being out there to learn, to see what's going on, to research. Man, I I would do that any day. Oh, dude. Have you watched First Man? No, I haven't. Oh, man. Okay, I got to put you onto First Man so badly. Um, Before that... Uh, we'll connect after this. Apparently, I got recommended another movie. Somebody said, if you love First Man, you got to watch Apollo 11 in IMAX. I'll set up a time. You know, we'll go, man. We'll go. And Sukwaku, if you're down, come through, man. We'll make this happen. What's the most interesting thing you have in your backpack? My backpack right now, my old first iteration of the Cam Series business cards. Whoa. Yeah, bringing it back, you know, from the roots. Why do you keep it in there? Uh, it just reminds me of where I came from, right? You know, this whole like this whole journey around like I called it the can like you know now it's called my technique and whatnot. But you know, this started off with the canvas series. It was a canvas as a metaphor for life, and my job was to give you the the tool brushes and the paints for you to paint and design your life. Love it, man. Who's a mentor that changed your life? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say a mentor that changed my life was a manager from PwC, Matt Ambrose. He taught me so much about cons- well, not even just about consulting, but how to be a leader, how to how to um, you know add value to customers in a genuine way, not just you know repackaging a couple of slides, but to truly think about you know what's it gonna take to help someone's business and 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 this idea of growth and enabling leaders to do more is what i did in consulting is what i do right now in thought wires what i'm doing through my technique it's it's been a fundamental skill that um he really paved the way for for me shout out to him in one sentence how do you define success to live a life that i'm proud of boom running or hiking running interesting i I thought you would have been a hiking guy what will be the title of your inevitable autobiography? My Technique. My Technique. And what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Best piece of advice I ever received was, you know what, to date back, it, it was really to think about, you know, what is it that I want to do? And, you know, Matt had asked me that. A couple people have asked me that. And, you know, um, it's not about coming up with the answer and it's not sorry um, it's not about the answer it's about coming up with the answers the progress of figuring out what do i want to do which kicked off this whole point of view and value about being intentional about everything boom brother we did it man we did like a solid nearly two hours of the cast that was man the longest 
podcast recording I've ever done. Oh, we could have gone on and on and on. Oh, I just think sure. we're going to literally run out of studio time if we kept on going, man. We're going <laughs> to, you're coming back for sure, man. And I think, you know, shout out to Daniel Francovilla. I had an episode with him a couple of weeks ago where, like you, he was dropping game and it stunned me. Or just sitting here and listening and not responding. But this was so good, man. This felt like a tennis match the entire time, man. Yeah. I fucking love talking to you, man. Uh, you have a lot of things to plug. So let's go in sequence over here. Let's, let's start with the podcast. Where can people follow uh, you on your podcast adventures? Yeah, so you can find the Canvas series on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all music podcast platforms. Uh, the Canvas series includes both our monthly show, which is the Canvas series, our new weekly show, which is Break the System, which is a five, 10 minute um, episode where we break down the neuroscience of these systems and mm-hmm. how do we practically apply it. And then I also launched you know, um, samples of the guest episodes that I jump on um, to you know, get people to also learn about my point of view and my story. I know. So you can that. Find, all the, uh, find all that there at the Canvas series. Uh, you can find me on social media yeah. at mytechnique.io, and that's across all social media platforms. You can find me on LinkedIn at Raphael Wong, and you can find the company page at mytechnique.io as well. And our website, www.mytechnique.io, um, it's all there. I would love to connect. You know, it's just something that, at the end of the day, this is. You know, like this platform, this mission, it's for the everyday person. You know, this is not for the elites. This is not for the MBAs or the consultants or the lawyers. This is for anybody out there trying to do something they care about, trying to juggle different things and want the tools to help them and doesn't want, you know, cookie cutter solutions. And my job is to help them find the system that works for them. That's amazing, man. And so you're such a such a gift to all of us that you've taken this mantle of responsibility to build this out. I know I'm on the mailing list waiting for updates eagerly. I encourage all the listeners to get on the mailing list as well. Follow Raph everywhere that he said when can we expect to get our hands dirty with my technique when can we expect to see some of this technology come come to fruition yeah we're planning on the first MVP to be launched to our close group of beta testers by the end of this calendar year wow. so if anybody wants to be an early uh, beta tester you can jump online and you can subscribe on the technology page and we're gonna contact people we're gonna test it out and we're gonna do this together right Th- like this is a journey that we're gonna do together um, like even just by listening to the podcast and giving us feedback these are all requirements and data points that I've I am just amassing all this data and feedback all of this goes into product development there you go friends thank you for listening thank you for everyone on YouTube that was watching this as well Raf, absolute gem man thank you so much for being here brother thank you so much we're out friends see you next week <laughs> <laughs>